This is Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hello, everybody. It is the final day, the final Hockey Central show before the NHL trade deadline. That's right. The deadline is finally here on Friday, March the 3rd. Lots of players already gone, though. I'm pretty sure if you were to look at most trade boards, uh, the top guy left is James Van Riemsdyk. He's a fine player. A decent depth add, but uh, that's what we're working with. That's going to be, you know, it's what, JVR, Brock Besser, Nick Schmaltz, John Klingberg, Max Domi. This is who everyone's going to be bidding on. Big bidding wars for, for what's left on the NHL trade boards come the deadline on Friday. There won't be a Hockey Central show tomorrow, but there will be tons of NHL trade deadline content here on Sports at 960, uh, Calgary's trusted source for Flames breaking news. Just want to remind everybody, until deadline day, we chase down every Flames trade rumor swirling around the city. On March 3rd, we've got you all covered with all-day coverage live from the Saddle Dome. If the Flames make a move, you will hear it here first. And all that's brought to you by Tuxedo Source for Sports. It may be trade deadline season but it's time to gear up for another great ball season. Southern Alberta's best selection of bats, gloves, and everything you need to be at the top of your game is at Tuxedo Source for Sports, 2520 Center Street North. So we've got uh, two guests coming on the show today. Ian Mendez, he covers the Ottawa Senators at The Athletic. We locked him down as soon as we saw the Jacob Chikrin deal to the Senators yesterday. Once again, Things happening after the show. We log off for the day. We think we're done. Let's pick it up. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Perfect timing. So we're going to talk to Ian Mendez about the Chikrin deal and uh, see, are the Ottawa Senators actually going to make the playoffs? We'll find out from Mendez. And then later on the show, we're going to bring on Anthony Stewart, the former NHLer and current analyst at Sportsnet. We'll talk to him a bit about the Flames, the Leafs, look around the deadline because it is a Flames game day. Calgary Flames taking on the Toronto Maple Leafs tonight at 7 o'clock at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. Stewie will come on and give us a bit of a rundown about the Toronto Maple Leafs as well. Uh, but before we get to all that, let's go to the Atlas Pizza guest hotline because we have Ian Mendez on the line. Ian, how are we doing? Jacob well, Chikrin to the Sens. They finally yeah. got their top 4D after how many years? How long have we been talking about this, Ian? I'm pretty sure you were covering the team. The last time, yes. uh, you know, when, when the search for the four, top four defensemen started. So what, three years, four years? <laughs> four, four, five, four years, yeah. It's been a while. This is the Dylan DeMello replacement that we've been looking for. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Dylan DeMello, who they traded away at the deadline in 2020, uh, and they've yeah. not been able to replace him. But uh, but listen, and, and listen, you know this market so well from your, your time here. It, the, the vibes are just completely different. And, and, and maybe some people are seeing that on social media, but I got to tell you, just being here in this city, it's, it's night and day. And there's just like, there's such a buzz here from the, the, the chicken trade and the fact that they've kind of got a little bit of life in them again, that, uh, you know, Ottawa fans are feeling pretty, pretty good here going into the deadline tomorrow. Yeah, I can imagine. Can, can you take us through how this deal came together Ian? and, you know, were you surprised by the cost, like after all this time, 
The Sens get Jacob Chikrin for a conditional first, which is Connor Bedard protected. Let's just call it what it is. And a conditional second in 2024 and a second in 2026. That's it. That's what we've been waiting for. I suspect it's because the Senators were able to just take on the whole deal and the Coyotes didn't have to, to eat some of the contract. But, like, that's that was it. That's what they were holding out for. Like, how did this come together and, and how did the Sens pull this off, Ian? Yeah, it, it it's great, right? Because I think if you go back over the last 18 months and all the uh, the NHL insiders and how many times, uh, you know, the Elliot Friedmans of the world would, uh, you know, have great, credible, solid information that, hey, Arizona Coyotes are not budget. They are looking for uh, two first-round picks, the equivalent of that, plus another high-end prospect. And everybody thought that that was going to be the price that Jacob, uh, Jacob Schickern went for. And I think really what happened, I thought, and I thought Pierre Lebrun did a great job on, uh, in the athletic today, kind of breaking down how on earth did Jacob Schickern fall into Ottawa's lap at that price. And right. I thought Pierre did a great job of just kind of chronicling over the last you know, few weeks how you know, Boston got Orlov and Ekholm went to Edmonton and Gavrikov went to L.A., and, you know, start to, you know, uh, and not that it was necessarily connected, but, you know, Ronick goes to Vancouver and, and Toronto makes a couple of trades and they get McCabe. And suddenly all of this, this sort of this defenseman, we'll call it all those musical chairs. Well, all of the suitors for Jacob Schickrin, suddenly they had a seat and they're like, no, no, we're good. We're good. And, and I think what really happened here, because remember, like Jake Schickrin was the first guy to kind of be bubble wrapped by his team. And this was two weeks ago. Like mm-hmm. he, he missed eight games. And I think the Coyotes knew this was a point of no return. Like, you couldn't put him back in the lineup, you know, March 3rd or 4th and be like, all right, well, nothing to see here. He's back. Well, no, you, you made that decision <laughs> that, that you were going to trade him. And I think what happened, and, and this is uh, to, to, I guess I'll say in Bill Armstrong's defense, because I, I think it must be really difficult being a general manager of a financially strapped team that, that, maybe imposes a lot of restrictions uh, on the general manager and, and the moves he can make. And, and it became clear that, you know, some other teams, I think, and, and I think, again, Pierre Lebrun, I think did a great job in, in kind of outlining this in, in, in outlining this in this piece is they basically were like, well, we can't take your bad contracts back and we can't eat any money on Jacob Tricker. And we, like, you know, they had some rules and parameters. And at the end of the day, the Ottawa senators were willing to give them a first, two seconds and not eat any of Jacob Schickern's salary, which was, I guess, the most palatable deal for Bill Armstrong and the Arizona Coyotes. And, and, and to Pierre Dorian's credit, uh, he did a, he did a very brief media availability today. He, he admitted he being patient was the, 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 the play here, that, that if they had to trade for Jacob Schickern six months ago, that would have been a higher price. But they waited and waited, and the Coyotes really had no other options. It didn't seem uh, until, you know, 5 o'clock yesterday when that – when that deal came to fruition with Ottawa. Mm-hmm. Does this rank in the top three in terms of the deals that Pierre Dorian has pulled off, Ian? Or is this is this just number one now? Well, okay. Well, you know, it's interesting, right? Because <laughs> The I Carlson think, you know, deal's think, number one maybe still, but... Yeah, the Carlson deal's number one, but, but it, boy, it really, Haley, needs a lot of context because... You know, when, when Eric Carlson got traded in the, in the fall of 2019, uh, it was kind of just before um, the season started, it was probably viewed as the worst trade in franchise history. It, the feeling was you traded Eric Carlson away 
And, you know, the old saying is you, you trade a, a dollar and you get four quarters back. Well, this one was like they got they felt the people were like, well, you got two quarters, three dimes, whatever. You know, uh, you got six pieces back and it didn't equate to Eric Carlson. And then mm-hmm. the way things shook out because of some luck and whatever, you know, one of the picks ended up being Timmy Stutza. The other was, you know, big piece was Josh Norris. And they both really hit their ceilings. And all of a sudden, okay, that deal looks great. So I would say, I'll say this. This is probably, I mean, maybe the Brinkett trade would be right there. But in terms of exciting the fan base and having essentially universal, as you know, you've covered this sport for a long time. Uh, it's really hard to get universal agreement from a fan base, right? Like usually when a trade is made, there's always, uh-huh. like, ah, we gave up too much or what are we doing? This was like universally loved by Ottawa fans. But I think that the Brinkett trade was like that too. So this, I would put this with the Brinkett in terms of, just immediate excitement. And then then we'll have to give it some time to see, because like I said, the Carlson trade took time to realize, wow, this is a great trade. I think this is going to end up being a great trade, but I think we need a little bit of runway here before we can kind of make a solid assessment on, on where the Chikrin stand uh, deal stands kind of in history. here. So tonight could be a pretty exciting one and correct me if I'm wrong, but it it looks like, or it sounds like Patrick Kane is going to make his debut for the Rangers and Chikrin's going to make his debut for the Sens tonight at Madison square garden. Is that right? Yeah. And, and here, you know, last week we were like, (laughs) well, it's the, uh, the Tyler Mott revenge game, uh, you know? Yeah. uh, And that's about the, sorry, Tyler. uh, Yeah. That's like the 15th uh, storyline going into this one. So, Here's the deal for the listeners that, that probably, you know, uh, weren't necessarily paying attention to how things shake, uh, shook out for Ottawa today. But Jacob Trickerin flew last night from Arizona uh, to New York to meet the Senators. Didn't get into the team hotel kind of until early in the morning today. He actually didn't practice. So the Senators had a 10.30 a.m. practice at Madison Square Garden. He didn't go. Uh, they were like, hey, this guy's just too tired. He's Let's not just throw him onto the ice here for the sake of it. Let's let him rest up. But they feel like he's going to play tonight. And so it's going to be interesting. This is a guy, like I said, he's been bubble-wrapped for a couple of weeks. I don't think you roll this guy out for 25 minutes tonight. I think that would seem a little bit <laughs> much. So, you know, if his, if his minutes are dialed back into the you know 17 to 20-minute range is probably what I would expect. But, yeah, he's going to play. And I know Patrick Kane did a, uh, a media session uh, with reporters today in New York. He's good to go. And uh, the Rangers, though, because of kind of these – uh, cap situation that they're in and, and the uh, Keandre Miller suspension for spitting on Drew Doughty, they will only have 17 skaters tonight, I believe. That's what, what I've seen reports mm-hmm. like Arthur Staple and uh, Larry Brooks have said, that yeah. they're only going to be able to dress 5D uh, for the game tonight. So okay. that, that, that could be interesting. Keandre Miller should have just elbowed somebody in the face and he wouldn't have been suspended for three games. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not to not to make light of spitting and elbowing people. You shouldn't do either of them. However, that uh, that seems to be the way things work. Don't spit on someone. Just hit them in the head, and you'll be fine. Yeah, uh, you won't get but the back to Chikrin. <laughs> yeah, back to Chikrin, Ian. You know, where is the most ideal spot for him in this Senators lineup? Like, is he a top pair guy with Thomas Shabbat? Does he go with a younger guy like Jake Sanderson? Like, obviously he's going to be a top 4D, 
But where do you think he ends up slotting maybe in the early goings, but then also kind of in the long-term outlook? Or we should say medium term because it's not like he's signed for eight years here. But in, in the kind of short and middle term, where does Jacob Chikrin fit best with the Ottawa Senators? Yeah, and I think this is what's a little bit vexing about him not participating in the morning skate today is we actually have no idea where he's going to play, who he's going to partner with, because you got to remember, uh, you know, not to get too deep in the weeds here, but he's a left-shot defenseman. And they already have Thomas Shabbat, who's a left-shot defenseman, and Jake Sanderson, who's a left-shot defenseman, and Eric Branstrom, who's a left-shot defenseman. So one of those four guys is going to have to move over to the right side. I don't think it'll be Shabbat. He's never really played that much on the right. I don't think it'll be Sanderson. He's played, he played a little bit at UND on the right. Uh, he's always said his preference is to stay on the left. And he's, he's a rookie. I think that's a little much to ask him to make the switch in his rookie year when he's played so well. Uh, my guess is either Branstrom or Chikrin is the one that slides over to the right. And then we'll see how this allocated. All I know is this. At the end of the day, and it won't be tonight because, like I said, there's some extenuating circumstances on, on Chikrin that probably will mitigate his minutes on the ice and he'll be sub-20 tonight. But but on a normal night, let's say 10 days from now when he's up and running, I think Jake Chikrin, Thomas Shabbat, Jake Sanderson, Artem Zub will be the four guys that, that kind of are in the 22-minute range every night. And they'll just mm-hmm. have to figure out how do we how do we kind of put this puzzle together that those four guys get the most ice time? But it's going to be really interesting. I, boy, I got to tell you, Ottawa fans are just dying to see the warm up tonight, even just at at, at six thirty five, to know who is he paired with and, and who moves over to the right side. And that's going to be a fun one tonight. Again, uh, the Ottawa Senators and the New York Rangers facing off at Madison Square Garden tonight. That's at 5 o'clock Mountain, 7 o'clock, obviously, for you, Ian, on Eastern Time. Uh, Flames game's not on till 7. So if you are listening to this in Calgary and you're interested to see what Patrick Kane on Broadway looks like, maybe a little bit of Jacob Chikrin finally playing somewhere other than Arizona, that's tonight before the Flames game. I think the big question that remains here, I guess there's two, but let's start Let's start with the first one. Do the Senators have a legitimate chance, Ian, at making the playoffs? Like, where, like, does this push them, does this push them into the wild card spot? Because right now, they are five points back of the Pittsburgh Penguins for the second wild card spot. Penguins haven't done a whole lot to improve their roster. In fact, I think their bottom six looks a little bit worse after whatever it is that they decided to do yesterday. Senators just got a little bit better with Jake Trickern in the lineup. Do you think they can make the playoffs? So if you look at this from, you know, most, you know, even just a regular statistical, um, you know, probability uh, standpoint, they're looking at some, like right now, most sites have them at like 15 to 18% chance of making the playoffs, which isn't that bad. I mean, considering two weeks ago, that number was like under 5%. They've, they've certainly increased their odds. I think by beating Detroit in the manner in which they beat Detroit definitively 12 to three outscoring them, it almost set the tone for what each team was going to do at the deadline, right? You saw Detroit move Bertuzzi and Ronick and kind of say like, well, we we're, we're done here. They're kind of quasi raising the, the, the white surrender flag. Whereas Ottawa was like, no, no, no. The, <laughs> the, the flag we're planting in the ground is that we're, we're we think we're a playoff team. We're going out to get, uh, Jacob Chirkin. So here's the problem for Ottawa. It's, um, you know, the, the schedule is tough for them. They've got two against Tampa, two against Carolina, two against Toronto, uh, games against Boston and the Devils and Colorado. Like, they're, they're, their schedule is pretty tough. I think from a strength of schedule perspective, they're the fifth toughest schedule left in the NHL. So that, that's going to be a, a challenge for Ottawa. But 
look, I think if one thing we can agree on, it feels like Washington and Pittsburgh, that that grip on the playoff spot for each of those teams has lessened. It's, they're not the lock that we always thought father time would catch up to both of those teams at some point, And it feels like maybe the, the, the clock is about to strike midnight on both of them. So I think that there's some vulnerable teams there. Uh, I think the Islanders are imperfect. And if you look at the number of games in hand that Ottawa has, there's an advantage there. I actually think the team that Ottawa should be most worried about is the Buffalo Sabres. Because I think from a point percentage standpoint, they're actually holding down a wild card spot. That's the team Ottawa, I think, should be kind of – like if you're asking me today who's going to make the playoffs, I think – Pittsburgh and Buffalo probably have the best odds. Uh, so if Ottawa can catch okay. one of those two teams, I really like their chances of, of making the playoffs. So obviously the deadline is still mm, just under 24 hours away before that final bell rings on deadline day. Lots of guys are still – lots of guys are off the board, I should say, but there's some still left do you think the Ottawa Senators do anything else tomorrow before the deadline bell rings? Yeah, I'm going to say yes uh, for two reasons. One, uh, you know, Pierre Dorian's made three trades kind of in and around the trade deadline. He, he traded away Tyler Mott. He traded away Nikita Zaitsev. And, of course, as we've talked about, he, he picked up Jacob Chikrin. You know, at every single one of the six previous trade deadlines Pierre Dorian has been a part of, Haley, he's made at least four trades in and around the deadline. And so, you know, history tells us he's, he's probably got one more. I, I suspect it'll be a depth guy. You know, the, the one guy that I really thought would have been a great fit in Ottawa, and I'm sure a lot of people thought that until I think he just got traded a few minutes ago, was Nick Bukestad, who, who goes to Edmonton. He's your classic yeah. bottom six kind of guy. He could play a little bit of the wing, but, you know, he can play center. Uh, that's the type of guy Ottawa could use. They could use somebody to kind of feel like, you know, they've lost Josh Norris for the year. They've got Shane Pinto playing up. Uh, they probably could use somebody else just in the, in, the, in a middle center role. I'd look for that. And then the other storyline to watch tonight, it's Cam Talbot. Um, he doesn't have a contract beyond the season. I don't think Ottawa will trade him because I think that their best chances of, of making the playoffs are probably with a, a healthy Cam Talbot. But Anton Forsberg is out for the rest of the year, and they're, they're relying on 22-year-old Matt Sogard to play some games too. Do the Senators feel like that's enough, or would they like to give a little bit of – you know, veteran in insurance in, in the crease and maybe send Sogard back to the AHL. That, that's an interesting one for me. So those are the two positions of maybe a, a middle six center and, a, and a maybe some help on, on, on in goal. But that, that would pretty much, I think, be it for, uh, for Ottawa. Do you think Max Domi's in the realm of possibility for them when we're looking at guys in the same ilk as a Nick Bugstad? I think Domi, the reported cost, is a third rounder. Do you think that's something that the Sens could look into? Well, and, and he's a UFA, right, at the end of the year. So it would be very much, uh, you know, one of those pieces that you could. But, but now, I, I, again, I think by, by saying that you're trading for a pure rental in Domi, now you're really saying we're going for it. Like, at least with Chikorin, you're like, okay, he's got two years left on the deal. We can, we can say that this is for next year. But I, once you start trading for pure rentals and giving up, you know, maybe a second or a third round pick for Domi, that, you know, now you're really saying definitively that that's your, 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 you believe you're a playoff team. So uh, they've, they've given away so many draft picks though, Haley. Now, like they've given away their first and their yeah. second and another second. Like they don't, I don't, I could be wrong on this. I didn't look again. I don't think they picked till the fourth round um, this year. So, uh, you know, they, 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 Boy, they'd have to, to, to kind of go into the future vault there to, to, to pull something out for, for Max Domi. But that would be the perfect fit. And that, but I, mm-hmm. I, I would imagine there's going to be a greater market. I think Domi's got 
50 points or flirting with 50 points right now. He's having a very good season for a pretty bad Chicago team. Uh, I Boy, I, I, I don't know that Ottawa gets into kind of a, a bidding war for Domi because I don't know that they necessarily <laughs> are in the competitive spot in their cycle where they, they should justify uh, you know giving up a, a good pick for a pure rental. That's what I said uh, in the intro. The show, Ian, is like tomorrow. That's all anyone. We have a live show. We're going to be doing a show ourselves um, post-deadline. And then obviously we're going to have content all day long here on Sports at 960. And I was choking like all these deadline shows. It's going to be just going back and forth about the bidding war. That's for James Van Riemsdyk and Max Domi. Not sure what year it is, but those are the big ticket items on deadline day right now. JVR is like number one on 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 most. Uh, you know, yeah. if you go around and look at various websites that have uh, their their kind of available players, JVR is pretty much number one. And you're like, yeah. what is this? 2012? Like, yeah. What year is yeah. it? Yeah. Jonathan Quick uh, is going to go to. He's going to be with the Vegas Golden Knights now, and I can just see him in the playoffs going full 2012. Jonathan Quick against the LA Kings and kicking them out of the postseason. I can see it can now, imagine? and I love oh. it. That I might, need yeah, this that, to well, happen. I, mean, I don't know how the bracket would work, but it must happen, Ian. Oh, people always want those those revenge. Go, you know, I think we wanted that with Flurry. Uh, at, 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 at remember last year, everyone was like, mm-hmm. "Where did Flurry go? He went. He went Minnesota at the deadline, right?" And everyone was like, yeah. "We need Minnesota Vegas." Flurry, revenge, yeah. you know, and, and boy, who wouldn't love to see Jonathan Quick, who's just just been a shell of himself in the last, certainly this season, but, you know, see him dial it back to the 2012 playoff Jonathan Quick and t- take out the uh, the Kings, that would be mm-hmm. something. I mean, he was looking a little bit 2012-ish last year in the postseason against the Edmonton Oilers, so it's not out of the realm of possibility. Uh I've got a few more minutes left here with you, Ian. You know, outside of the Senators, I know you had um, your podcast day with Sean McIndoe today, and he and I are going to be doing some live blogging of the deadline tomorrow at The Athletic. And he was mentioning how on the show you guys were talking about just the discrepancy in what's been going on between the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference. Part of me feels bad. I've been talking about the East so often on a show that is based in Calgary. This is on Sports <laughs> at 960. But nobody in the West is really doing anything. We've got the Jonathan Quick deal. Sure, that's pretty dramatic and fun, but it's not that consequential. You get Matthias Ekholm to the Oilers. Um, you know, Nino, Nino Niederreiter to Nashville but not a whole lot else. Right. And, but again, yeah, like you said, you know, Vegas always does something. They did it today. And, and uh, you know, they got Barbashev or whatever, you know, what, like, but nothing, all the big moves have been in the Eastern conference. And what's weird though, is I think if you talk to a lot of people and you ask them, like, try to figure out the East, you're like, Oof, I don't know. You know, the Rangers look really good. The devil's got Timo Meyer. Carolina has been a wagon all season. And there's, then there's Toronto, Boston and Tampa. Like people will tell you, wow, there's six or seven teams. They've all loaded up. And the funny thing is the West feels just as open. Just the only difference is they didn't all just say, let's all go load up. They all just, you know, for the most part between now and, and tomorrow that could change, but really, I mean, and, and the avalanche, I'll give them full credit. They have absolutely sprung to life when it mattered. And I think, uh, you know, six weeks ago, there was a little bit of a worry, like, oh, are these going to wake up in time to even just make the playoffs? And I, that not only is that <laughs> that idea gone, now you're thinking they might end up being the one seed if they just keep 
playing like this and they get Makar back and he's uh, ready to go and healthy. But it's really interesting because I think you can make an argument if you're sitting in, uh, you know, the, the, the seats of Jim Nill in Dallas or Kevin Shovel Day off in Winnipeg or obviously Kenny Holland in Edmonton, you could say to yourself, I don't know that the West will ever be this kind of up for grabs. Like, it, it's open. Like, mm-hmm. there's not one team that just loaded up and everyone else is, is shaking in their boots. I think it's wide. I think it's, weirdly, it's as unpredictable and as open as the East, just completely different in terms of not everybody uh, lined up. Now, you know, Colorado, I think because you're the defending Stanley Cup champion, you probably have the right to be considered the favorite, but they've, they've had some holes this year. They've had some questions about them, and uh, I, I think this is wide open, and I think it's true, and I think they're, like sometimes in, those of us in the Eastern time zone are very much guilty of, um, you know, the Eastern bias that, that, that people accuse mm-hmm. us of having in the West. And, and I think that the entire National Hockey League fan, the entire fan, fan base is just, everyone's just slept on the Western Conference right now. They're like, wow, wow, wow. Well, I guess, I guess someone's going to come out of the West. And, but I, don't you think whoever comes out of the East, that thing might be such a heavyweight fight to get out of the three rounds that, you know, maybe the team that's sitting there in the West is, is feeling like uh, they're, they're not as beaten up in their path to the Stanley Cup, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a good point. Like, I think these Eastern Conference teams, you know, we've been talking about that on, on this show a lot this week. I mean, you mentioned it. Like, some of these, it, it's going to be a dogfight to go to the Eastern Conference. And whoever does get to the cup final, they're probably going to be pretty gassed by the time they get there. And not that it's ever easy to make it to the Stanley Cup final, but it's reasonable to think that whoever makes it there from the West might end up feeling a little bit better. They might feel a little bit fresher. Um, and I also think, you know, there's still te- there are teams in the West that have not done a whole lot. Like I am anxiously waiting to see what the Dallas stars do tomorrow, if anything, because they haven't really made a big move yet. And I think they're one of the teams who could reasonably make it all the way to the Stanley cup final. That's a good team. Jake Ottinger is very good. Flames fans know that well. He almost <laughs> willed his yeah, team past series. Calgary in the yeah. first round last year, right? So if Ottinger can get and stay hot the way that he was last year, Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan look rejuvenated. They've got one of the best lines in hockey. Is there another move that they're going to do to make it there? And, and also Calgary hasn't done anything yet. They haven't made a move in 2023 yet. Are they going to do something? I don't know if they'll add. I don't know if they've done anything to show they should be added to. But I think... All this chatter about the Eastern Conference teams loading up has definitely deflected some of the attention away from the West, and that doesn't mean that these teams aren't going to do anything tomorrow. They might just be doing stuff around the edges, but I think there'll still be a battle in the West. I think it's just so many good players have left from the West and gone East, which is probably a good thing for some of these Western Conference teams, I guess you could say. Yeah, no, no, it's it's true. And, and you bring up a great point on Ottinger, and I, I think I'll throw Connor Hellebuck in the same boat, where if those guys are playing at their absolute best, and we, I, I mean, Jake went next level last year, round one against Calgary, that might be as good a goaltending performance as you'll ever see by any goalie in a, in a seven-game playoff series. But, uh, you know, Ottinger and Hellebuck have the ability to steal not only games, but I think series. And and, and I think, like, and that's why I didn't mind the, the, the Niederreiter move that Shovel Dayoff made. But it's funny because I think at the time, you know, it was like, oh, that's a pretty big move. And, and then, you know, then 
like 50 other things happened and he's kind of forgotten yeah. about that but but i'm with you like like dallas is a sneaky good team and they've got a pretty good young it's a young core too for the most part but but there's also some some older guys there like the the the, the bens and the and the uh, pavelskis and the you know the guys that mm-hmm. probably think to themselves this is it for us like this is our our, our window and 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 does, does Jim Nell do something for them? I think the answer is yes because I think that's a really good team that could end up being the one seed depending again on on how things uh, shake down and and if you've got the a guy that might be the best goalie on the planet when he's at the top of his game or close to it, how do you sleep on the Dallas Stars? And I think if you're Jim Nell, you know that your window is pretty small. Uh, you, you better go out and, and do something to try to kind of augment that roster. The last time the Dallas Stars were in a good playoff position in 2019, Jim Nill made a bunch of moves to beef that team up, and they made it all the way to the cup final. And that wasn't that long ago. I know times are different, and that was the weird bubble back in it year. It's kind of a fake thing. But they still made it all the way there, and we know that Jim Nill likes to add to that group when he has the cap space and the money, et cetera, to do so. Thanks for all this, Ian. I will, uh, I'll talk to you tomorrow. We will reunite once again on, on the – the athletic hockey show. I can't wait. Yeah, no, looking forward to that. And thanks. uh, Thanks for having me today. Awesome. Enjoy the game tonight. There goes Ian Menez. He covers the Ottawa Senators for The Athletic. He's also one of the hosts of The Athletic Hockey Show on Mondays with Julian McKenzie, who covers the Flames, and on Thursdays with Down Goes Brown, Sean McIndoe. And that conversation with Ian was brought to you by the Atlas Pizza Guest Hotline. The Guest Hotline is brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, using the same secret recipe since 1975. You can dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Take it or delivery also available at 403-248-3344. Coming up next, we are going to be joined by Anthony Stewart, the former NHLer, current analyst at Sportsnet. We will uh, tee up this Flames and Leafs game that's going down tonight. Puck drop at 7 o'clock at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. All that's coming up next on Hockey Central and Sports at 960 the fan you're listening to hockey central 960 with Haley salvian on your home of the flames sportsnet 960 the fan all right welcome back to the program final segment of the day final segment of the week it's a mini friday for me here on the show working tomorrow but no hockey central tomorrow afternoon but we will have all day live coverage of the NHL trade deadline right here on Sportsnet 960. We're going to go right back to the Atlas Pizza guest hotline here because we have Anthony Stewart on the line, uh, former NHLer, current analyst at Sportsnet. He's going to be on one of the panels all day tomorrow, it sounds like. Anthony, do you have a special uh, skill that you're going to bring for everyone to, to watch when no trades happen? Yeah, I think I'm on the tap dancing uh, panel with Bissonette uh, tomorrow, so I'll be doing a lot of tap dancing. Uh, I do look a little bit like Gregory Hines, and I'm not sure. You might be a little bit young to know who that is, but uh, tap dancing legend, so I'll be doing my best uh, Gregory Hines impression. Okay, I love that. I'll be tuning in for sure. I'm very excited for the tap dancing show. Before (laughs) before deadline starts, those do. Yeah, I'm excited. Before the deadline, though, Stewie, there's a, a big game tonight between the Calgary Flames and the Toronto Maple Leafs, 7 o'clock at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. Leafs looked pretty bad against Edmonton last night. What uh, what version of Toronto do you think we're going to see at the Dome tonight? 
Well, I think they started uh, putting back all the uh, parade route uh, jubilee that they had ready planned when they made all those deals. But again, that's just the Toronto market, right? So um, every game, I think, has shifted. Uh, the microscope shifts on the team. If they win, everything's great. If they lose, uh, everything's bad. But again, remember, you have six new bodies coming into this team. It's going to take some time. It's going to take a lot more than going to a Bruce Springsteen concert. You need practice. You need reps. Uh, you need guys getting comfortable in the city. Uh, so it's going to take probably about two weeks to really know what you have with this group. But, um, you know, when you look at this team, the way it's built, really, really top-heavy with skill, the complementary pieces that they added, I think it's it, it's going to make them a Stanley Cup contender. So, yes, can get it, can they get out of the first round? That's going to be uh, the big, big question. You saw some of the moves that Tampa Bay Lightning made. But uh, I think with Toronto adding the uh, Acharis, you know, the, the Ryan O'Reilly's and Lafferty's guys that can play that big, solid, heavy game complemented with the skilled players. This Toronto team is, is, is heavy top to bottom. So on the other flip side here is Calgary, you know, you're in point season. So I know they got the point against Boston, uh, 57 shots. Uh, they got to find a way now to start doubling their points and putting, uh, putting some wins together. So Markstrom's uh, in the net tonight and, I heard that uh, Coach Sutter mentioned he's got to start stringing some wins together and get hot at the right time. I think they can do it as well. So I think it's going to make for a good game with Calgary needing some points and the Leafs looking to rebound after their last uh, performance against the Oilers. It should make for a good game. I'm picking the over, I think. Okay, all right. Uh, it's going to be Joseph Wall in net for the Maple Leafs tonight. Rookie goalie, I think he's got four NHL wins to his name, which, uh, you know, Anthony, I'm sure you know this, but every fan base believes that rookie goalies, backup goalies, goalies they'd never heard before have the game of their lives against their team. That is very true against the Flames, though, I will say. So I also, I would just warn the taking the over because it seems like guys like Joseph Wall team seem to have pretty good games against the Calgary Flames. Yeah, no, that's, so we'll a, see. that's, a, good, that's a good point. And, and to add to that, too, <laughs> Um, you know, when you have a rookie guy and you don't want him to get embarrassed. So I think teams really bear down and play a good defensive system. And you saw the Maple Leafs for about mm-hmm. six weeks when they were down three or four defense, when they really had to rally around the system and the forwards had to come in and play a good two-way game as well too. So yeah, maybe, maybe I'll, I'll do a push. I don't bet. So I'm just making up these terms. So it'll be, I'll, I'll do a push. I don't either. Do <laughs> the only thing I do, my my see, my betting thing is like, oh, I'll I'll sprinkle on that. I'll sprinkle five bucks. I actually won quite a bit of money this year just sprinkling five dollars on Bo Bichette. You know, two two hit evenings. Oh, you know, I I would good. do a little five dollar sprinkle and I'd walk out with like forty bucks and I and I felt yeah. great about I myself. The That's the extent of my that- betting. I opened up an account once and it's still invalid. So I think I have sixty dollars floating around <laughs> somewhere too. So I just said, you know what? It's not worth it. <laughs> just leave it. Just take my money. I don't even remember my password for whatever <laughs> betting website it is that I've signed up for here. So you know, we've been looking with uh, with some of the the new acquisitions with the Toronto Maple Leafs. We saw a little bit last night in the third period, Ryan O'Reilly sliding down into that three C spot. Obviously, he started the first couple games as the second line center between John Tavares, who got moved to the left, and Mitch Marner in his natural space on the right. What do you think, Stewie, is the best place for Ryan O'Reilly? Um. You know, I, I think the fact that they're being flexible and sliding them in and out, I think that can really, you know, provide a, a, a really, you know, deadly lineup, right? Because there's going to be some matchups in the playoffs where they can just, you know, match that up. But if you have Ryan O'Reilly in the three slot 
it's really going to be tough to have that depth to defend that. And, you know, when you have Ryan O'Reilly there and you have guys like Yankroke who can score 15, 20 goals, you know, I'm not sure what's going on with Kerfoot. Kerfoot can add some offense. He had 52 points last year as well, too. And then you have guys that like Achari and Lafferty that can fill in in that role, too. You can really add that offensive punch. And that's the one thing I noticed. That third line was pretty quiet most of the game, but those couple shifts that Ryan O'Reilly was there, you notice them a lot more. You notice them making little plays. You notice them there stuck in the offensive zone a little bit longer. So I think that, yeah, you want to get O'Reilly going. But I think right now it's about winning playoff series. And you need guys sort of uh, playing where uh, they, they have the most impact. So, yes, I know O'Reilly can put up points, but I like the fact that he can win big faceoffs in the defensive zone on that three uh, slot as well, too. But really add that offensive punch and get some of these other guys that uh, have been struggling since the trade offensively as well. Do you think Austin Matthews is going to be able to hit another level? You know, down the stretch or once the postseason comes, I feel like that's the, a big conversation in the Toronto market right now is everyone just kind of circling him and waiting to see like a consistent string of a couple weeks of the, the kind of production and dominance that we saw from him last season. Do you think he has that in him this year or is there just a bit too too many injury things lingering? Well, you you look at you know how the NHL is, and I think the puck's on your stick for maybe about a minute and a half if you're a top player in the league, right? And I think it's more noticeable with the Leon Draisaitl's and the and Connor McDavid. They stick out more because it's only the two of them. On the Toronto Maple Leafs, you have Nylander, you have Marner, who's having a career year. Nylander's having a career as well. Um, Tavares, and now you add another player in O'Reilly. There's only so much puck to go around, but yes, I'm not making excuses for him. Obviously, he wants to be scoring at an unreal clip, but. You know, the numbers aren't going to lie at the end of the day. He's on pace for past, uh, passing 40 goal marks. So that's a pretty decent, uh, you know, mark here. But I think right now for him, it's about winning. And he's playing a great two-way game where he's one of the best offensive and defensive players uh, in the league as well. He's blocking shots. Uh, you know, he's doing really good on stick lifts. He's always above the puck. He's not cheating in the D zone. You know, you got your money, you got your term, you got everything but that Stanley Cup. I think that's what he's worried about. So, yes, in the playoffs, yeah, you want him scoring the big goals at the right moment. But uh, for me, it's there's only so much puck. There's only so much to go around. And I, I think he's having a, a pretty decent season. It's going to be tough to mimic 70 goals, I'll tell you, 60 goals, I'll tell you that. Mm -hmm. Transitioning a bit to some, you know, deadline previewing stuff. Here, It's a good, uh, you know, We'll just refresh things for you before tomorrow. Some nice prep work here for you, Anthony. What's the, the biggest storyline for deadline day tomorrow, in your opinion? What's the one thing that you've got circled on your sheet for tomorrow? Oh, no. Um, I think for me, like, what's the West going to do? You saw the Vegas Golden Knights uh, get uh, Jonathan Quick. I think that was confirmed. Uh, you saw Edmonton Oilers get Bustad. Yeah, that's made official. You know, is, is Colorado going to make any moves? What's Winnipeg going to do? Seattle, they're dropping out of the race right now. Minnesota, is there going to be anybody with an ace uh, up their sleeve to make a big, big move? Um, you know, and, you know, the Calgary Flames, are they buyers? Are they sellers? Are they tire kickers? What's going on with the Calgary Flames? So I think it's going to shift to the West because I think the East, <laughs> if they make any more moves, I think the, the Internet's going to explode. Twitter's going to explode as well, too. So I'm really interested to see what's going to happen with this West because, um, yeah, you got to gear up to, to win the conference here, but you're going to be going against the juggernaut in the East, whoever comes out at the end of this. What do you think of the Tyler Bertuzzi deal today? I, I know the Bruins uh, 
it almost became a deal out of necessity for them with Taylor Hall getting injured. I believe he, he left the team, went back home to Boston on February 25th after an injury. Nick Felino gets hurt in their last game. So they're almost looking at it and saying, okay, we need to add something because Taylor Hall is going to be out long term. He goes on to LTIR. Do you think that's going to be, you know, end up being a big move for them, adding Bertuzzi at the deadline? Uh, I think so. And again, he doesn't have to come in and be the guy to put up 35 goals. You know, he could come in and add that secondary school and we're seeing what the perfection line can do consistently. Uh, so he could come in that secondary role. But again, he plays that playoff style hockey. He's a nasty hockey player, goes into the corners, goes to the net, and he's not afraid to mix it up. So it's funny when you picture a guy and you say, can you picture them in a Boston jersey, Boston Bruins jersey? He's one of those guys that, yeah, I actually can. I can picture that in my mind. Uh, right now so you're seeing the moves that the Leafs made <laughs> New Jersey getting Timo Meyer, New York Rangers getting Patrick Kane you know there's going to be a lot of teams with eggs on their face after this first round making all these moves but the uh, Buffalo sorry Boston uh, Bruins right now you know how are they not the favorites you know going into this playoff so it's going to be tough I would not want to be playing them first round because they seem like they're loading up as well but they're firing on all cyl- cylinders they have the chemistry uh, goaltending is playing great as well, too. Defense is clicking. So they're, they're the team to beat, I think, right now in the Eastern Conference. I saw a stat from Cap Friendly. I don't have it up in front of me, but I believe what they said was that there's been 40 trades bef- in the two weeks before the trade deadline, and the previous high was 20. <laughs> so the, and, and a lot that's of that a activity, a lot of the biggest... That's a conspiracy theory. You don't think that's true? No, I think it's true, but it's conspiracy by the uh, the teams to, you know, take the take the uh, the ratings away from Friday trade deadline. I think it's a conspiracy. So I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to Gary on that one too. I'll get back to you on that if that's true or not. They want to see you tap dance. Somebody heard <laughs> that you've been practicing tap dance on the side, and they said, you know what? I've got an idea. We have Paul Bissonnette. We need to see tomorrow. this. Paul Bissonnette's coming tomorrow, and I'm going to be coming in dressed to the nines. I'm going to be playing it all prim and proper. I'm going to let him do his thing. He's going to be jumping out of cake, stick handling, singing songs with Lundquist uh, via Zoom. I'm, I'm playing it cool tomorrow. I'm playing it, uh, playing it rated G. All right. No antics from Anthony Stewart on deadline day. You heard it here first, folks. Don't, uh, don't do me wrong here, Stewie. I've got one more question for you, and I'm going to put you on the spot with this one. I apologize. Uh-oh. What's one trade that you want to see happen tomorrow? Uh, you're, you're getting me back for putting you on the spot. That was like five years That's ago. That's right. Let it go. Let the, <laughs> <laughs> let the hate go. You know Never. what? I'd love to see. Uh, here we go. I would love to see. Oh, man, here we go. Here we go. I want to see Tampa Bay Lightning really come out as like a big, big heavyweight swing. Do they go out and get another top forward or a complimentary piece? Do they overpay for another piece? I want to see Tampa Bay Lightning take the world by storm. So I'm trying to think who's out there. It's tough to think about it on the top of my head. You know what? What if they traded for Gudis? What if they got Gudis from the interstate rivals? Imagine that. That could be fun. Yeah, it's probably not going to happen. But and the Panthers like probably need to move a bit of money out. Yep. So think of that one. Okay. Hey, did you see last night? This? Did you see Tyler Kennedy randomly tweeting Tom Wilson to the Penguins, yeah, but he spelled Penguins What's with a Q? 
yeah, what's going on in the water in Pittsburgh? Like, yeah, you can't come out. He's doing some minor hockey. I'm the only minor hockey coach that could be an insider. So stop that, Tyler. You're going to have a problem with me trying to take my job. (laughs) I'm just, I'm curious. I was like, is this him saying that's what he wants to see? Does he have an inside source? Did Tyler Kennedy become an insider overnight? Yeah, there was no gif attached. Yeah, there was no weird gif. Curious or being sarcastic. It was just this is the this is my tweet, and then that was it. And then I left Twitter, and he doesn't tweet too often either, so that was kind of weird. So maybe he was hacked. I'll chalk it up to he was hacked. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll see if Tom Wilson does indeed get sent to the Penguins tomorrow, but uh, I kind of doubt it. Thanks for all this, Anthony. Uh, enjoy the game tonight. All right. Thanks a lot. Go Flames. Go. There goes Anthony Stewart, former NHLer, current analyst at Sportsnet. You can catch him tomorrow tap dancing or keeping it cool, professional during the deadline show on Sportsnet. And that's all the time we have today on Hockey Central. Again, a reminder, the big question still, are the Flames going to be buyers, sellers at the deadline? Sportsnet 960 is Calgary's trusted source for Flames breaking news. We will chase down every trade rumors swirling around your Calgary Flames. And tomorrow, March 3rd, we've got you covered all day with coverage live from the Saddle Dome. If the Flames make a move, you'll hear it here first on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.